You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Continue to pray for Pastor Paul Nather as he's on his sabbatical. Uh, as he's doing that, uh, we have uh, different people who are going to be preaching this morning. We can welcome uh, Pastor Randy Jaspers. He is the regional minister for the Northern Plains region. He can explain to you a little bit more about what that means, but would you please welcome uh, Pastor Randy to the podium. Yeah. It's, it's so they never clap for us. I mean, when I when I get up, they don't clap. So you must feel feel uh, privileged. No. Well, Welcome they now. don't know what they're getting. Okay, that's true. So it's always good to get the clap before. Yeah, amen. So uh, thanks, Ethan. Um, I just a personal note. As Ambry was sharing, I was reminded of uh, a note from our older daughter was a CY eighteen practicing the gospel on her young, her little sister. And it was through that that she then, not with her sister, but with her mom, prayed to receive Jesus. So CEF has been a part of our lives for a number of years. Would you stand with me, please, and read the scripture? Um, Well, I will read the scripture. If you'd like to read it with me, you are welcome to do so. But from Matthew 9 verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Lord God, we pray that as your word goes forth, you would accomplish the purpose for which you send it. Hear our prayers, but Lord God, may we hear you speaking in our hearts by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I love this time of year. It's, it's harvest time. And as a farm kid, I have all kinds of images. And, and living in town now, I don't get to experience the harvest as I used to. But I do have a garden, and so I'm bringing a couple of things from my garden. A, a, a nice green pepper and a, and a tomato. And then as my wife and I take a walk through our neighborhood, one neighbor has a, as an apple tree just loaded with apples, and another neighbor has this plum tree, and they said, hey, actually, he came to us, he says, check out my uh, um, apricots. I said, um, those aren't apricots. <laughs> said, they're, they're plums. Oh, really? I said, yeah, but they're good. They're good. For me, this brings back all kinds of memories, but But harvest time requires a sense of urgency and focus. There is nothing more important than putting energy into bringing in the harvest, for that is the whole purpose of the season. Jesus has been traveling throughout the northern cities of Judea and Galilee, even venturing into other areas at times. Since his baptism and temptation, he has taken up the call, first voiced by John, repent for the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
turn around your, your thinking and your life priorities because there is a new king. Now, this is a significant statement because both John and Jesus proclaim that a change is taking place, a new king, a new kingdom, subversive language, which will ultimately get both of them killed. But I'm getting ahead of the story. Jesus is attracting a following. Why? Because he's saying and doing things unlike others. Our text for today in your series on Matthew is a summary of what comes before, an introduction of what is coming, and a bit of a pivot to a new emphasis in Matthew. Now, we've heard similar words. Back in chapter 4, we read verse 23, and he went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. That's a Gentile area. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and even the area beyond the Jordan. This is followed, that particular text is followed by what we know as the Sermon on the Mounts, which concludes with a comment that Jesus teaches unlike what the people are used to hearing from their scribes. He, he talks about relationship and transformation, and it says he teaches with authority. Matthew 8 and 9 then record numerous instances of Jesus healing people. No condition is too difficult, not even spiritual resistance. The crowds marveled, saying, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. The irony that Jesus overcomes demonic opposition, yet humans used to being in charge will not submit to his kingship, revealing their unbelief. Jesus, we read, goes to where the people are, their towns and villages. He teaches where they gather regularly for worship. He proclaims the good news that God's kingdom is at hand, and he heals every disease and infirmity. Healing the evidence is the evidence that indeed God's kingdom is here, as the words of the prophets foretold. In his first message, as Luke indicates at Nazareth, Jesus quotes from Isaiah 61, reading from the text and then sitting down, and he says, today the scriptures fulfilled, teaching, proclaiming, healing. That's what Jesus does. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now this metaphor of a sheep, particularly of sheep without a shepherd, is not new. The prophet Micaiah used this eight centuries earlier in a prophecy against King Ahab of Israel before he engaged in battle with the Syrians, then known as the nation of Aram, allied with King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Micaiah says, 
you will, the people will be a sheep without a shepherd, the implication clear that Ahab would be killed in battle, which he was. Three centuries after that, even more pertinent to Jesus' use of the metaphor are God's words through the prophet in Ezekiel 34, when he condemns the leaders, the shepherds of God's people, whom he charges with interest only in advancing themselves and their cause, not unlike what is happening in Jesus' day. Harassed and helpless, they speak to neglect, a sense that the masses are not worth the time and the effort of the spiritual and religious leaders. One could translate those words, skinned and tossed aside. Pretty graphic. Used. But Jesus sees differently. The Bible says he has compassion. Jesus is deeply moved all the clamor to see him, to hear him, to have him heal, yet these are supposed to be the people God chose through whom he would reach the nations. Jesus sees them as sheep without a shepherd, aimless, vulnerable, exploited. When he sees the crowds of people, that's what Jesus sees. In another context, of, uh, after a healing, the man born blind, it's recorded in John 9, there is a discussion which carries over into what we know as John 10. Jesus there announces that he is indeed the shepherd to come. The good shepherd, which causes quite a stir as he is essentially proclaiming himself the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34, where God had promised that he himself would be the shepherd of his people. But just as Jesus uses this picture, he shifts the picture from sheep to harvest. He says to his disciples, the ones following him, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, that image of harvest in Scripture, uh, in some contexts, is connected with judgment. And perhaps one could make the case that broadly here, those who do not respond are yet in judgment. But here the harvest has to do with those who respond favorably to the good news of God's coming kingdom. Those who recognize their need and Jesus' provision. Those who will follow him. Who will prioritize them? Who will be with them? Who will tell them that in Jesus God has come and as we know will come Again, note whom Jesus addresses, his disciples, his followers. Note his observation that the harvest is literally much, but contrasted with the laborers who are few. 
As I mentioned earlier, harvest time becomes a priority. To make all effort to get in the harvest, lest the harvest be lost from inclement weather and pests and breakage or spoilage. And if you're connected at all with agriculture, you understand that. Today, the laborers include those who repair the equipment and provide the parts and the fuel and the storage. Jesus is essentially saying it's a bumper crop. It's God's harvest. Pray earnestly that God send out laborers. So what is the significance for you and me? I suggest each of us responds to three questions to determine God's next step. As I had pretty much completed um, preparing for today, I took a look at what Pastor Ethan had shared last week, and you'll notice some similarities in these. First question, what does Jesus say? Pray, he says. Pray for more workers. I serve the NAB churches of two associations— the North Central Association, of which Century Baptist is one of 32 churches. 28 of those churches are in North Dakota, three in the northern uh, slice of South Dakota, and one in southeast Montana. I also serve the 17 churches of the Manitoba Baptist Association. So together, those two comprise the Northern Plains region. We join together in a common belief and a common mission. As our NAB executive director, Dr. Harry Kelm, likes to say, we can do more together than we can individually. As a regional minister, I interact with the pastors and leadership of these churches to encourage, to to foster, to work toward health. I provide counsel, I I listen, I resource, especially search committees looking for lead pastors. No, I don't have them, but I, I help them in that process. Sometimes I walk with them through difficulties. My congregation, in essence, are the 75 pastoral staff and Uh, ministry staff, their spouses, and sometimes their children, and then more broadly the leadership and ministry staff of those churches. Those are my primary charge. I have the privilege, in short, of working with these men and women whom God has called as laborers in his harvest. But we need more laborers. We need lead pastors in Grand Forks and Wishick now. Animus and Martin are considering an interim pastor, and we'll need a pastor after that. Harriet will need a pastor, a lead in six weeks. Minot and Jamestown are looking for staff positions. Two churches in Manitoba are also in need of pastors. And even though each church is unique, there are things that are And as we travel throughout North Dakota, you would recognize differences in various regions of our state, yet there is an overall need for people who broadly understand and and are called to minister in a rural context. 
who can help these churches hear the voice of God for them to see how and where he is already at work and invite them to join him. There are opportunities in our rural areas, but we must hear Jesus' words. Let's pray to the Lord for laborers, people who will be willing to train and commit themselves to roles not considered glamorous in places often isolated, but where he is present. We need men and women, students and adults of all ages who are willing to learn and be mentored, to go and be with, to live for a different king. Your, your own pastor, Dave Gallagher, had a passion for these pastors and churches. We need those who have a call to begin new works and ministries. We need those who purposely engage cross-culturally in our region, but also internationally. In short, we need teachable, devoted to King Jesus people who see and are willing to be part of the harvest all around us. Pray for laborers of God's harvest. Second question, what does Jesus see? For some of us, the application is to begin seeing people as Jesus sees them, harassed and helpless, sheep without shepherds. Now, most of the people that Jesus is referencing here in the text are Jewish. Now, think about that for a moment. What would be the modern equivalent? Perhaps those who grow up in the church, as we say. But this isn't all Jesus sees, is it? From Chapter 4, we read this. Um, Chapter 8, we have Jesus healing the centurion's son. Earlier in chapter 4, we have the quote uh, about Jesus, the beginning of Jesus' ministry from Isaiah 9, the quote that Matthew uses from Isaiah 9 and 47, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Jesus grew up in a multi-ethnic, multicultural place, a place of Jews and Gentiles. So take a scan through the Gospels and note whom Jesus sees. Those he particularizes are the ones Others purposely ignore and marginalize. Demon-possessed, lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, the poor, women, children, foreigners, peoples, people whose theology is not in sync with that taught by the Pharisees or scribes. Jesus sees them. Jesus says they are part of God's harvest for which we are to pray for workers. 
who are the people who live near us, with whom we interact throughout our week, is Jesus inviting us to see someone we've not seen? Third question, what does Jesus do? In chapter 10, Jesus will commission the 12 to go and do what they've seen him do. Again, what does he do? He, he teaches, he proclaims the good news of the kingdom, he heals. All of this is in the context, though, of noticing people, of listening. Many have watched the events, many of us have watched the events, as they say, across the pond, of the memorial for Queen Elizabeth, the ascension of the new monarch, King Charles III. And although Britain is governed by Parliament, it is a time of change for the United Kingdom. Some are commenting that it is literally seeing the end of an era. But it isn't just those who who are part of the UK. Do you notice with me change? I used to label it, in fact, in a report a year ago, I labeled it as uncertainty, and I would label it more now as an unsettledness. We see this in multiple ways. Churches, among relationships and leadership and marriages and in normally stable environments. In short, I believe The evil one is working in any way he can to discourage and distract us from who we are and who we are invited to be in Christ. But here's the good news. The Holy Spirit is also at work. We who call ourselves God's people, who've responded in faith to Jesus, need also to hear again for the first time. Is that how they said that commercial? The word, his word. Let us reflect again on what it means to live as citizens of a new kingdom and with whom whom we are sharing that good news. That Jesus is king. Let us come to him for healing of our bodies and minds and relationships because we need Jesus. And then let us be available, not when we're all together, (laughs) not when we have all of life together, because I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize what I thought I had together, I don't. But you know what? I have Jesus. And you know what else? Jesus has me, and he does not let me go. And that's what I can share with people. As I listen to them, as I'm available to them, I can share what he has done and is doing in my life. The one I've come to know and experience. Century Baptist, thank you. Thank you for welcoming me to share with you today. Thank you for for praying for my wife, Christy, and me. Thank you for your encouragement with the good news of Jesus in the Bismarck area, the Bismarck-Mandan area. 
for your support of that ministry, for for being a place where people can try new things. We celebrate with you how you care for your leaders. We celebrate how you are open to investing in new ministries, disciples and Missio and White Cross and the ministry center. That investment goes throughout the region and, and across the world. How are you identifying, encouraging, and equipping new, leader, new leaders, creative leaders for God's harvest. So what does Jesus say? Pray for laborers. What does Jesus see? Look for those whom God has already placed around you. What does Jesus do? Come to him. Allow him to do his work in you. And if you've never responded to God's invitation of new life through Christ and Christ alone, then consider that anew today. Talk to someone so that you can share out of his abiding presence as you walk with him. It's harvest time. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your invitation. Thank you for equipping us through Christ and Christ alone when we come to him. Help us to see. Help us to pray. Help us to see and to respond to the need for laborers in the harvest. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand? of your grace to feel you move and see you say we give you all the glory Lord that you are worthy still of more all the earth will sing your Jesus' name, lifted high around your throne, until you come, Lord, we will go, until you come, Lord, we
every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord of all. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that my Jesus is Lord of all. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord of all. Everything I have, everything for this, that Jesus is Lord of ourselves to follow you as your disciples we commit ourselves to do what you told us to do what you commanded us to go into all the nations proclaiming the gospel discipling uh, baptizing those whom you call to yourself and teaching them to observe all that you've commanded we carry those commands those instructions your word in our hearts with us and we commit ourselves to not just following you, but helping others to see you. And so help us to live our lives in such a way that points people to you and that glorifies your name. Because you are worthy of that praise. You are worthy of that adoration. And so can we commit ourselves to doing just that? Receive our praise as we walk with you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. There are many ways we can serve him throughout the week, uh, throughout the ministry here. One of those ways is the banquet. If you have not considered signing up for the banquet, uh, please consider that as a way we can reach into this community with the gospel. Have a wonderful week, church. Go in his grace and peace. You are dismissed.